Welcome to Neuro Insights, a podcast that gives you insight into the latest research in organizational psychology, workplace well-being, and mental health. I'm Vivian, the Chief Research Officer here at Neuro. And I'm Peter, a researcher and content creator at Neuro, where we create science-based 15-minute micro-learnings for managers to improve mental health in the workplace. Each week, we'll be discussing a new journal article that sheds light on ways to enhance mental health at work, both for you and your team. Let's dive into the research to find out what NeuroInsight you could implement today. And welcome back to another episode of NeuroInsights. Today, we are going to be zooming out and looking at mental health at the workplace from a review paper point of view. And we'll be talking about manager behaviors, things that work and are most effective. And it kind of seems intuitive in a way of like, okay, if you give recognition and, you know, give more support to your employees, of course, that's going to help their well-being. But I think it's really important to ask, well, then why is it so hard, right? Why, why do we still keep struggling with mental health in the workplace? And so I'd like to spend some time today to really dive into that. So we always structure these talks around a paper. We like research. We like how they present the material. Um, So let's just go ahead and dive in. What's our paper for today? So it's called Mental Health in the Workplace. Uh, It's quite straightforward. Yes. um, By Kevin Kellaway, who is a big player in the field. Uh, We're actually going to have him for a newer talk in a couple of weeks, which is very exciting. And Jennifer Dimoff, uh, whom we also had on a neuro talk uh, way back in the beginning. And they are from Canada, Canadian researchers, and they published this review this year, actually, 2023. And it's a review of the literature in the field so far. So there are three main steps to any kind of mental health in the workplace program. And those three are prevention, intervention, and accommodation. These aren't new, but at Neuro, we really love prevention, and so do businesses, or they should, because prevention is where you save money. And not only that, prevention shows that your company's really healthy. So let's talk about prevention. Yeah, and I mean, we talked about the job, I think we talked about the job demands resources model before, but that really falls under the category of prevention. So, And this paper presents a jobs demand Exactly. Right. Right. It's if you have too many demands and not enough resources, well, your employees are going to have stress and burnout. And so how do you prevent that? It's giving more resources. More resources. Exactly. Um, And I think that's a main reason why we are so focused on training here at Nero. It's before anything becomes a crisis, you want to be giving people the skills, the resources to be able to deal with it when it actually happens. So that's prevention. Um, intervention is when, I guess, things are not going as well and you need to give your employees resources. So this piece is all about improving access to resources. It's about improving knowledge about mental health crises, so training managers on how to deal with it. And it's applying it to specific areas. So your company finds out, oh, people are experiencing burnout. Well, we're going to bring someone in and specifically address that issue. Yeah. Uh, help people proactively enable them to uh, manage their workload differently and say, this is okay, please do it. Mm -hmm. And then that's supposed to help apply it to a situation. Um, One thing that the article mentions is that, you know, surprise, surprise, uh, an increase in attendance to these things 
help increase the education level and then also decrease the stigmatization right, right. Uh, stigma stigma of um, certain mental health issues mm -hmm. which is huge i mean stigma is what really is keeping people from seeking help yeah and then it also mentions that a bigger input or a better benefit for managers if they go through these trainings and that's just because of their position. Now, we've talked about managers before, that they're just in this critical role, that they help influence uh, the environment they yeah. directly uh, relate to employees or team members, as well as change that environment. So they're a big factor in this whole mental health crisis. Yeah. So you get more bang for your buck, basically, by training managers. That's right. Or, yeah. or that's a, a good place to start. And then the third one is accommodation. This has to do with after the crisis happens, after um, intervening, whether that be apply a certain amount of work leave and then um, some way to recover from that situation, then accommodation is returning back to work practices mm -hmm. and then proactively say, this happened, let's plan for it not to happen again. What, what, what can we do to reorder things, uh, work schedule, uh, this many days working from home or um, this many days at the office, that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. So these were the three categories of intervention. And I think one thing that's so interesting about this paper is that it says, yes, these programs work, these interventions work. However, people are not using them. 5%. Less than five. Yeah. Actually use their employee assistance programs. Well, let's talk about yeah, that. Yeah, why, why? Why do you think, Peter? Why, why is it so hard? Well, this is what the scholars are all, all, all looking at, and I think companies are too. Um, this is a big problem. So here we have uh, a job, and we have job demands, and we're trying to apply resources to this job to uh, decrease stress. If that you, you can write that down as your little equation, and yet uh, when we apply resources, these EAPs only five percent use them. What's going on? Well, I think one thing is healthy people look for the EAPs, but when you're going through a situation, uh, whether it's depression or overworked, you don't have time or the effort or to space. or headspace yeah. or any number of factors to just click through the whole um, human resources area of your business just to find out what can help you. And I mean, the very fact that you're depressed, the very definition of depression is that you have no motivation to do anything like that. You're just trying to get out of bed every day. Yeah. Right? And that's just one vignette. But um, there's any number of reasons why people are not using these e EAPs. And one, another one uh, is uh, stigma. People yeah. don't want to be seen as um, having a mental health crisis of any kind mm -hmm. or even to be close to that because, well, that shows that they're incapable or they can't handle the workload or uh, they don't deserve the promotion or, um, yeah, they, they, they themselves are denying that they have an issue. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think a big one, too, is um, there are a lot of barriers to using EAPs. People don't find that information very readily available. I think if you would ask an employee, a regular employee at a company, okay, tell me a list of your EAPs. I don't know if many of them would be able to list uh, the EAPs. I mean, somewhere on a piece of paper that HR gave to them long ago, maybe during the onboarding process, they had access to this, but it's not somewhere that they can, yeah, like have at their fingertips or um, no, especially to like what EAP applies to their problem. 
And then there's the added complication of people taking advantage of these programs. Um, oh, you can't touch me. I'm, I'm going through this, this, and this. I'm using all these EAPs to protect me from doing more work. And that's uh, something that frontline managers have to deal with. Oh, no, I, I don't want my employees to use these programs because they're just going to try to game the system. And then that becomes a whole uh, stigma of if I use the program, my manager is going to think that I'm trying to take advantage of something. I'm lazy. Yeah. And so, I, you know, that's why I think what we're doing at Nero is is really interesting because it's different from all the other EAPs in that we're not about uh, treatment per se. It's not like because you use us, it's that you have depression or that you are seeking therapy. Whereas I think the majority of EAPs out there are crisis oriented. Well, and even just the material itself can be laborious, like uh, hours of, oh, yeah. oh here, here's the website, just go on there. Or, or like uh, watch, you know, an hour video or, yeah. It's yeah, just, five hours of videos. Five hours of videos, do this training that's like a course. And you're like, I, I don't have time, you know, where do I fit this in? Yeah, or it doesn't really hit you because it's just an impersonal big video. Yeah, and how do you actually practice these skills? I think so much of it is information and theory whereas there is very little out there that's actually helping you put it into practice and the other thing is we need community to put things into practice i mean how many times have you said i want to go to the gym and you know in your head that's the right thing to do but you don't go to the gym because you need a gym buddy to go with and i think that's a key issue of how can we make finding um you know these resources how can we make taking care of your mental health, a community thing, a thing that's not stigmatized, something that's actually fun, engaging. It doesn't take too much of your time. And it's something that, yeah, people enjoy doing instead of having it be this laborious thing. Well, and these EAPs should in turn come back into the work culture in some way. And that's what at Neura, I, I help make the content. And I'm, I'm always thinking about how is this going to impact the person going back into their community? Because eventually your workplace needs to be the life-giving uh, place for you to enjoy your work day and you come home and you go, I, I talked to so-and-so, I enjoyed this and that. Um, we're working together. I find purpose in what I'm doing. Uh, that needs to be found in your job as much as anywhere else. And so these EAPs need to feed into that. Well, you need practical points to... Um, say, uh, I'm I'm going to reach out to these employees about these issues, or at team meetings, I'm going to make sure people share, or any number of things. Uh, that's what needs to happen, culture change within your own company and those under you in those teams. Yeah, and it needs to be a collective thing, because right now, I think a lot of the mental health, quote-unquote, support is, okay, well, now go sign up for therapy yourself, or go do headspace and find some time in your busy schedule to do meditation more. And it's like, well, we need help. Like we're made to be social creatures. And that's something that we're trying to capture at Nero is how can we harness the power of community? How can we bring together both mental health training, but also tackle the problem of loneliness, which we've talked about extensively on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, we've reduced this this content into 15-minute micro-trainings. Anyone has 15 minutes, they can do that. Uh, but it in turn uh, brings you back into your work environment with practical points to 
use, and that's supposed to affect your culture. Um, so we're bringing in education, but it's always with this community focus. Yeah. You already have a community there. It's just not working the way you want it to work. And that's the same with these EAPs. So Neuro's not just trying to supply more videos or more this and that. It It's much more like a catalyst or, an, you know, an enzyme. I, I have a scientist friend next to me, Vivian, and she knows a lot more than I do. But what does a catalyst do? It, it makes something easy, more accessible, right? Right. It's the starting materials are all there. A catalyst, when you add it, then it causes the yeast to start bubbling and the reaction to start happening. And I think instead of trying to create something new, it's like, well, let's use what you already have. Yeah, it's like we have the pool of resources of of jobs and people working the jobs with the stress and the low mental health. And then we have the EAPs and all they're trying to do and, and well-meaning human resources uh, teams that are like, oh, I just want to fix this problem. I want this, yeah. this company, you know, humming, but it's not. And so it's like, why are we not able to access each other? Why are we not changing or reforming? And we think it has to do with a lot of this, just this catalyst, bringing people together. Yeah. And also tapping into people's natural desire for connection. Um, I think it's so wired into us. Uh, the speaker today on our Neuro Talk said, loneliness is a pervasive human condition. None of us can escape it. And I think we're all hardwired to want to connect. So how do you use that? Um, that desire for human connection and bring more of that into the workplace. Yeah. And we're doing it through evidence-based studies and practical skills. And I think that's great. Yeah. So anyway, um, I hope that that little exchange or review of the literature is somewhat helpful to you. I know um, talking about mental health at the workplace can be quite overwhelming. Looking at the stats can be quite depressing sometimes. Um, but I think there are there are hopeful interventions and there's a lot being done, especially now after the pandemic. I think a lot of people are starting to think about how workplace culture is changing and how we should be changing it for the better. Yeah. So um, I think it's an open question. People are willing to talk about now more than ever. Um, join us on our LinkedIn lives. We have um, a ton of interesting people come on and just share their thoughts and their research. Um, we have this little podcast to talk about papers just to guide the conversation and help help equip uh, our listeners with some vocabulary as well as um, some sound ways of thinking about uh, all this mental health stuff. Mental health can be this thing where it's anything from a very, very soft, soft science uh, or even sort of guru-y <laughs> to, you know, studies that are, are looking for answers. And we want to be bringing all of this together to find out, like you said, people yearn for loneliness and now we have stats to prove it, but what do we do next? What are the next steps to help these companies and their employees? So stay tuned for our next Neuro Insight and we hope you have a wonderful day. Oh.